Hey there, I'm Ashley and I'm a proud mama of two beautiful kiddos, a wife, a health and wellness coach, and a middle and high school shop teacher. Hi, I'm Roberta, mama, wife, educator. I'm an entrepreneur and homeschool mom navigating the work, family, social life balance. Together, we will discuss various topics near and dear to our hearts for teachers and mamas, like routines, health, habits, self-care, and so, so much more. Living a healthy lifestyle is for everyone from young children to adults. Health, wellness, and emotional and social well-being starts at home and should be expanded upon in the classroom. Everyone can benefit from the Teacher Mamas podcast. So if you're ready to learn some helpful tips, let's do this thing. Hello, Teacher Mama podcast listeners. Um, So originally this was going to be a solo episode and I wanted Roberta to come join me too because I know she's probably got some great insight into this stuff. So this is kind of going to be a little bit of a hot button topic for some of us. Uh, (laughs) So I just want you guys to know that I am not placing blame. Uh, We are all guilty of this stuff sometimes. But what this episode is going to be talking about is letting them fail. And when I say them, I'm talking about our kids. Okay. I had a seventh grader come up to me the other day and say, Mrs. Johnson, I'm afraid to cut my pieces because I don't want to mess up. And I'm sure we've all heard some version of this before, right? This is not the first time that I've had this happen. It's not the first time a student has said something like this to me. But I hear this all the time. And so we're going to talk about how letting our kids and our students fail is one of the best things that we can do for them. And I know we hear that word fail and it's like a a hot button, like, oh my gosh, we can't fail. We can't fail. Well, I'm going to, we're going to try and, and break that down a little bit for you today so that that word failure doesn't seem so, so scary anymore. So whether you're a teacher or a parent on this one, you are definitely going to get plenty of benefit from it. Roberta, what are you grateful for? I am grateful that uh, everyone in the house is finally healthy, kind of got those spring colds under control. And I mean, we all have allergies, but that's something we know we just kind of kind of live with. But the the cold piece is, is gone. So that's good. And um, oh, grateful that Izzy's, Izzy's enjoying school. Yes, that's super cool. Yeah. And mine is going to be short and simple. And uh, I am grateful that it is almost the end of the year. We have two weeks left. <laughs> yeah. Yay, May. Yeah. <laughs> This fear of messing up has to come from somewhere, right? I'm not a psychologist or, you know, any of those fancy titles, but I am pretty sure that this is something that is not just built into our kids' brains, right? They fail so many times when they're learning to walk and talk and crawl and all of the things, right? And we, as parents, we let that happen, obviously, because that's how they learn, right? And we encourage them to keep trying. And when they fail, they just pull their little booties right up off the ground and do it all over again and again and again until they figure it out, right? They're trying different things. They're, they're doing different things to try and get themselves to be successful. And so 
in my opinion, this fear of failure or messing up, right. Trying to break that, that like icky feeling when we hear that word failure, messing up, this comes from either the kids in their life or the adults in their life. In my opinion, again, I'm not some fancy title psychologist or something like that. Right. But whether it's their teacher, their parents, um, another adult influence or kids, this comes from somewhere. It is not, it is not like built into them, right? This happens as they start growing and seeing others reactions around them and stuff. So perfectionism also, I think plays a really big part in this. And, uh, my story, when I was a kid, I was bullied a lot. And I think that's where my perfectionistic tendencies come from. Uh, neither of my parents put this on me. Neither of them were perfectionists. Neither of them made me feel like I had to be a perfectionist. I 100% got this attribute from being bullied. I think, I, I don't know. I haven't gone to therapy about it or anything, but that's the conclusion I've come from, come to. <laughs> I would, you know, try new things in school and then I would get laughed at for it or um, bullied for it. And like, I would get picked on. I was one of the tallest kids in class and one of the biggest. And um, so, you know, I got bullied a lot and that just like, put that instilled that fear of like wanting to try something new and like having to be perfect at it. So I have two kids and they are polar opposites from each other. As far as I know, neither of them are getting bullied at school right now. So that's good. Um, but they're polar opposites when it comes to perfectionism. My youngest Colton is five and he's a squirrel most of the time. Um, and it has been showing up more consistently. <laughs> I don't know if it has to do with the kids in his classroom or if this is something that's going to be a lifelong thing for him, <laughs> but he also still has a time with failing sometimes. Uh, just the other day, he was crying and getting super mad at his bike because he couldn't start pedaling uphill. And Sadie, my seven-year-old, also has the same kind of perfectionist as perfectionistic tendencies as me. So again, two polar opposites, uh, with the perfectionism, but my point here is that perfectionism really, I don't even think plays a part in this fear of failure. It doesn't mean that you have to, or you don't have to have it. It's the expectation around failure that we need to keep having conversations around with our kids. So, I'll say that again, because I said it kind of fast, but it's this expectation around failure that we need to keep having these conversations with our kids around. Failure is not failure unless you 100% give up. The only time you can actually fail at something is when you give up on it. And I think we need to hear that as adults too, because we try new things as adults also, and we think that it should just come naturally to us, right? We're older now. Things should just be easier. Well, that's not necessarily true. If you've never done that thing before, you're still new at it. Everybody sucks when they're new. <laughs> like, yeah. It just, it's the thing it happens. And I think even, you know, as adults, we definitely need to hear that as well. I think <laughs> The best example I have of this with my own kiddos 
is with Miss Isabel and academics has always come really easily to her, especially math. Like she doesn't have to really work at it. It's, it's easy. So mm-hmm. then fast forward to learning to read and it's no longer just sight words and simple like two and three letter words. Now it's sounding out multi-syllable words and sounding out, you know, six or seven letter words. And, and we had to really, she's like, well, I don't want to read and I, I don't want to try. And it all comes down to, she thought she should just be able to do it. Like everything else that she's, that she's done up to that point, it should have been easy. And since it wasn't easy, then, then she thought she wasn't good at it or was afraid of not being good at it. And we had to talk about, you know, with reading and with a lot of different academics for our kids. And I, I've had this conversation with Izzy. I've had it with so many students in the past that that's the whole point. If we don't make mistakes when we're reading or if we don't make mistakes when we're learning, we're, we're not learning. Mm-hmm. It's, you can't learn unless you make the mistake and learn from it. Right. Um, and this is not a one-time conversation with your kids either. <laughs> yeah. This is like uh, over and over again over. with different contexts. And, yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because I mean, even like same thing with both of my kids, it, this conversation just, it has to keep getting brought up and brought up and brought up. It's not something that they're going to hear you one time and be like, Oh yeah, that's right. (laughs) I mom told me that it's okay to fail. It's okay to make mistakes. I'm just, I'm good with this. Like they're going to keep getting frustrated and we're going to talk about that in a minute, but it's going to keep happening. And as parents, that's hard to see our kids be frustrated. Mm-hmm. It is, it's hard. And I think that's why we always want to jump in and save the day for them all the time, because we don't want to see them frustrated. We don't want to see them have a hard time, but that's not teaching them anything. How are they ever going to learn these lessons and these skills like grit and determination coming into adulthood? If we are always rescuing them, Um, they are, if they, if they always give up every time they feel frustrated, what is this teaching them? Right. And this is, I want you to think about, yes, like they're little right now, of course, but they are going to be adults one day. And if we don't start teaching them these skills right now, this is not a muscle that they're ever going to build. And it's going to, it's going to hurt them later on in life. They're not going to be able to do well at a job. They're not going to have a good career. These soft skills, I'm a, I'm a shop teacher. This is what I preach so much in my classes. Like, it's not about learning how to, yes, I want, like, if you're in welding class, I want you to learn how to set up the welder and learn how to weld and all that, of course. But what I really preach so much because they are not going to learn this stuff in the job site is these soft skills. And if we don't get our kids, these soft skills, like grit, determination, communication, uh, uh, confidence, like all these soft skills, if they don't learn them when they're young, they're going to have such a hard time when they're adults. Of course we can help them when these frustrations occur And we should be offering help when they need it, right? They're still learning. Even as older kids, 
as high school kids or even like as they're going off to college, they're still learning. We're still learning as adults, mm-hmm. right? We, we as adults, we need to be able to ask for help when needed. Yeah. And um, I think that's where you clarify. There's a difference between helping and doing it yes. for them. Yes. And it can be, and I, even myself, like with my three-year-old, I've noticed, um, I've really been thinking about it since Izzy went back to school and it's just me and my three-year-old during the day, I've noticed how much a, that she did for him that I didn't yeah. re- recognize and two, how much he's just like, mom, do it for me rather than trying for himself, like opening up, um, one of it, like his breakfast bar or something, or, mm-hmm. um, getting his juice box. We had a picnic yesterday, him and I, and like, he just, he needed help opening his little Lunchable. He couldn't figure it out himself. And it's like, oh, those are, those are the moments that I shouldn't do it for him. <laughs> I should right. let him struggle for a little bit and, and work on it to figure out how to, how to do mm-hmm. it for himself. And it's something super simple and easy like that, but it's so easy for us as parents and teachers to just take it and do it for them. A, to make it get done faster. Right. And, and be because it's it's hard to watch them struggle. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and of course there's going to be those times when you're like in a hurry, trying to get out the door, and whatever. And yes, of course there's those times when you just need to do it because you're like short on time or whatever. But yeah, I like how you said like when you were at the at a picnic with him and you did have some time, and so that would yeah. have been you know that's a great time to to pull out those teachable moments. Mm-hmm. So, you know, just like going back to the, to the bike example, I didn't just hop on his bike and do it for him. Right. That would be super silly. <laughs> like, what is that teaching him? Yeah. Absolutely nothing. Right. I, I stand behind him just like every other parent who's teaching their kid how to ride a bike. Right. And you give them gentle nudges when they need them. Um, like when they're going up hills and stuff that way on the downhill, they can do it. You know, eventually those leg muscles are going to build up enough, just like in every other situation, their grit and their determination muscles are going to build up enough so that with enough failure, with enough mistakes made, it's just going to keep getting easier and easier for them. Right. So it's definitely good to help when things are extremely difficult, like going up those hills so that it is easier coming down hill and it helps build that confidence and it gives them that little nudge that they need to keep trying those hard things for themselves. If you'd really love to support our show, there are two ways to do that. One is to follow the link in the show notes and uh, support us through Patreon. By becoming a patron of our show, you're helping support our art. And in the future, we hope to be able to add some um, bonus content only for the the patrons of of the show. So go check out our Patreon. The other way to support our show is by reviewing and liking and subscribing to our podcast. So you can do that wherever you are listening, whether it be Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or Google, or Amazon Podcasts, on iHeartRadio, or through our hosting website, which is where we um, where we kind of live, which is on Podbean. And so all of those are places where you can go rate and review 
our show. The more ratings, the more reviews, the more our show shows up in searches for future people to find. So we're so grateful for your support. The things we need to stop doing as parents and teachers is completely doing it for them when they get stuck and frustrated. Like we've just kind of talked about giving them the answers all the time, bailing them out of hard situations. Of course, this is so easy to do because, you know, like we already said, it's just so much faster, but this deters their problem solving skills. How are they ever going to solve problems if we're constantly rescuing them, doing things for them? It also doesn't do anything for their confidence because if someone is always taking that situation and figuring it out for them, where is there room to build confidence that they in the future are able to do that for themselves? How are they ever going to do this if we keep doing it for them, right? I literally, this is, some of you are going to be like, how did you let that happen in your class and not like send them out of your room? (laughs) But I looked at it as a teachable moment. So we were, we were in welding class and I was, we were learning how to just run straight beads and I give them the sheet and it explains to them, like I make them grade themselves so that they can see where they're making mistakes and what they need to do to fix them. And this little sheet that they grade themselves on, it's like a, yes, I did it or no, I didn't. And then it explains what that thing is because there's like five different things that I have them kind of check up on. And I verbally explain it before we go in the welding room. And then I tell them, if you don't know what it is, I want you to read it. I'm not, if you come up to me and you ask me, what does this thing mean? I'm going to ask you straight up. Did you read it again? And if you tell me no, then I'm going to make you go back and reread it. Well, this kid kept coming up to me and asking me, what does this one mean? And I was like, well, did you read it? And he's like, no, I'm like, okay, well, go back and go back and read it. And if you still don't understand it, then I'll help you. And he did that like three more times. And by the time he got to the fourth one, he looked at me and he was like, why don't you just give me the answer? And I just kind of stood there and I was like holding back a smile, even though he was screaming at me (laughs) because I could tell he was really frustrated. And I literally told him, I'm like, because you're not going to learn anything if I just give you the answer. Uh And this is a, this is not the first time this has happened with this kid, right? (laughs) Like this happens all the time. And I can tell this is happening because he has been given things his whole life. When he gets frustrated, when he reaches something super difficult, no, no one lets him just figure it out on his own. They're just like, Oh, you have a disability here. Let me give you the answer, right? Like this is adults in his life both teachers and parents. I am not putting the blame on any one person here. This is all of us adults, right? We're all guilty of doing this. So the key word here is to help, but not give just like we've mentioned above, right? Like I am helping him if he has already gone through the steps and he's still not understanding, but I'm not just going to give him the answer right off the bat. He's never going to learn these problem solving skills. If we, as the adults keep giving him the answers and (laughs) I don't know that, you know, just me doing this for him did anything, but you know, I tried. (laughs) So, 
So yeah, that was a, <laughs> some of the kids in class, they were looking at me like, oh, what is she going to do? <laughs> Uh, it was, it was a, it was a pretty funny, in my opinion, it was kind of funny, but yeah. yeah. <laughs> right. Cause then in that moment, like he actually kind of understood what you're doing, like through his frustration, he was expressing right, right. it, but like <laughs> yeah. understood. Right. So again, I don't want you guys to think that I'm like placing blame on anybody, even though I think I may have just said, this is, this is all of the adult's fault. <laughs> Oh yeah. Like, yes, we all need to take accountability. I'm not, I'm not saying that I'm not above this either. I just want to like us as adults, I want us to be aware of this stuff so that if you're noticing you're doing it, you can take the next steps to stop yourself from continuing it happening. Right. Like this, this is not something that you're, if you've done it a lot, this is not something that you're just going to be like, Oh yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to stop doing that now. It's just baby steps. Right. Okay. So like I said before, um, it can come, this fear of failure can come from, uh, bullying and all of that kind of stuff, uh, peer pressure. So when you notice this happening, you should talk to your kids about it. Like, why don't you want to try this? Are you afraid of this new thing? Um, chances are they are probably going to straight up tell you the truth. <laughs> I've had this happen a lot. Maybe not, but maybe you need to pry it out of them a little bit. Uh, start talking to them about how everyone, maybe you don't want to use the word suck, but <laughs> start talking to them about how everybody sucks at this stuff at first. And uh, it's normal, right? This is normal. You've never done this before. I think this is a good reminder, again, for adults too. And this is the key. We need to talk about it. If we're not talking about it with them, then how are they ever going to learn that this is normal? This is normal to feel like this when we start something new. It is normal to not be good at it because I've never done it before. Um, I didn't just blow this kid off, the seventh grader, when he came up to me and said uh, that he was afraid of cutting because he didn't want to mess up, right? I didn't just say, oh, you'll be fine. It's no big deal. I asked him, what's the worst thing that's going to happen if you do mess up? Why are you so afraid of that happening? And I told him, the reason I do this project with you guys is because it's a cheap project. And I, I expect you guys to mess up. It's you've never used these machines before. You've never made these kinds of cuts before. So uh, why wouldn't I expect you to mess up? And even like as they're going through the project and I hear them say things like, oh, this piece is a little bit shorter than this piece. I really messed up. I'm like, did you though? Because I don't think that's a big deal. Is there a way that we could solve that problem? Kind of look at it and maybe it's like an eighth inch too big or something. And they kind of look and they're like, well, could I cut it again? I'm like, yeah, you could cut it again. So how are you going to figure out how long it needs to be? well, I guess I could put my piece on top of it and trace it just like we traced the template on it the first time. Yeah, that's a great idea, right? So I'm like walking them through these problem solving skills as they're doing it. I'm not just giving them the answers. I don't just say, oh yeah, that one piece is a little bit too big. Let's just cut it. No, I would love to say that that happens all the time, but again, sometimes we're running short on time. Like maybe this kid hasn't been here for two weeks and I just need to like kind of keep moving them through. 
I wish I had all the time in the world, but I don't. So sometimes that does need to happen. But for the most part, um, I do build these kind of like time consuming teachable moments into the class. So I'm not just saying that I'm out of time all the time. And I, I build this in so that there is time to like do this problem solving kind of stuff with them as I'm sure most teachers do. So as they're walking through that kind of stuff, this is building up that confidence muscle for them. Right. So I try and nip these stories right in the, in the, in the butt, as they are saying them, as they're coming out of their mouth, I I try and, and like, you know, we try and get rid of them right away because I don't want them to feel like they can't try things and, and all that kind of stuff. And another, another thing I see a lot of is like these, a lot of girls, especially in shop class, they have this perception that boys are better at it. And boys have done this stuff before. And I try and right away on like the first, second day say, Hey, we're all new here. Just because even if like some of the kids in class have done this stuff at home, cause we live more out in the country even if they've done this stuff before, they've never done this exact project. So it doesn't mean that they're any better at it than you are. So everybody gets to try and everybody gets to mess up and it's okay. So, and then also it's, it's key to keep in mind that sometimes we have the opposite problem where kids keep messing up because they aren't learning the lesson or they aren't thinking things through before they're doing them. So that's another conversation that we have to have with them. Like, Hey, I, I see you've done this uh, before, and you keep doing it the same exact way. Is this going to keep getting you the same results? What else could we try instead? Right? (laughs) Like I have a lot of kids who keep doing the same thing over and over and over, and it's because they're not paying attention to what they're doing. So sometimes you can have the exact opposite problem. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Another one for parents here. Uh, you know, we've kind of been talking a lot about teachers in the classroom. Um, but parents, I've had some parents email me on the smallest point projects, like two points because their kids didn't get it done. Everything else is done in the class, but not that like two point thing. Right. And so then they get mad because their kid, their kid could have an A, but they don't have an A, but they have an A minus. And so then that's when I kind of like explain that the reason that I make these points so low in the grade book is because I want to see them I want them to see the mistakes that they're making so that they can correct them the next time. Uh, This sort of perfectionistic pressure on a child placed on them from their parent or another teacher is way too much stress. So just trying to back off a little bit and like, oh, you know, this is again, another conversation. Don't reprimand for it, but just like have a conversation with them. Oh, honey, I see you miss this assignment in the grade book. What happened? Um, you think you did it? Oh, well, maybe you forgot to turn it in to the actual inbox or forget to put your name on it. So just make sure that you really focus on that stuff next time when handing in the assignment. Okay. Like just having little conversations like that, instead of like, I know that behind the scenes, when I get an email like that from a parent, it is, it's a lot of pressure put on the kids. Like, oh, you missed this assignment. What, what were you thinking? You know, like wh- why did, how did you miss this? This was so easy. This is a bell ringer. How did you miss that one assignment? And instead of like placing the blame, just having that conversation with them, like, what can we do better next time? Cause we're always looking to learn and grow. Right. 
And one more thing that I want to bring up that can really foster this fear of failure is cell phones. And this will be a whole nother episode one day. Uh, but our kids are, in my opinion, and a lot of teachers' opinions, we've had a lot of conversations about this, me and fellow teachers, but our kids are on social media way too much. And even if you are a parent that is keeping a watchful eye on their accounts, checking in, making sure that there's no suspicious activity, making sure they're not getting bullied, making sure they're not doing the bullying. Unfortunately, I know of way too many children that have free range on the internet and have no boundaries set in place. But like I said, that's a topic for another day. Even if you're that parent who is keeping a watchful eye, they are constantly comparing themselves to all the quote unquote perfect accounts that they see out there. And when I say perfect, it's because most of us don't put the messy part of our lives on the internet for everyone to see. We only put the parts of our lives out there that are like perfect worthy for people to put likes on and comments on and oh, isn't that special? Isn't that cute? You know? Um, so we never see the messy parts of other people's lives. And when our kids are on social media, as much as they are, they are constantly comparing themselves to these people. This fosters this fear of failure because they they don't ever see these people with their messy parts of their lives. So when they, when they are, uh, when they have messy parts in their lives, they're like, Oh, there must be something wrong with me. Right? Like, I don't want to try these things because I might fail. And these people on the internet aren't failing. They, they got it down the first time, even though what they're not seeing is the behind the scenes stuff where these people have failed multiple, multiple times. They just never showcased it on social media. I really, really encourage you as parents, please, 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 as much as you can keep your kids off social media um, and limit it as much as possible. I will just end here with the cell phone thing and saying that this is one of the biggest battles that we fight in school with our kids. It just straight up. One of the biggest battles is their cell phones. Um, It's just it's never ending and they always have them on them. Notifications are going off all the time. And that's another thing is the distractions. Oh my goodness. But anyways, I'll get off on a tangent there. So (laughs) if you are that helicopter parent, going back to the fear of failure thing, if you're that helicopter parent, making sure that you're right there so they don't make mistakes or that you're that lawnmower parent, right? I heard that one once and I was like, oh, that's a good one. Cause you're like constantly paving the way for your kids so that they don't ever have to be in uncomfortable situations, right? Is this you or do you just maybe do this a little bit too much and you're not realizing it and you're like, your light bulb is coming on now. Like, Hey, maybe I need to take a step back and let my kid figure this stuff out on their own a little bit more. I just want to give you some real basic steps to to pull you away from it just a little bit. Okay. So we want to start fostering these, these soft skills in our kids. So if this kind of situation comes up where they're, you know, they're failing, they're getting frustrated. um, They have a problem, right? Maybe take a deep breath the next time that they come to you with this problem and just pause for a minute. Um, Don't start getting defensive, stepping in right away to save the day because Mommy and daddy are not always going to be there when they have a problem. So sympathize with them, right? Step number two, 
you want to sympathize with them by saying something like, oh gosh, I'm so sorry that that happened to you. That doesn't sound very fun. And step number three, start asking questions, starts that problem solving phase, right? What did you do when that happened to you? Um, number four, <laughs> their answer is very positive. Like, well, I didn't like how they talked to me. So I punched Jimmy in the face when he called me a weenie head. Um, this would be a great time to problem solve with them, ask more questions, right? This is our helping phase, not doing it for them, not just saying, well, you should not have punched him in the head. You should have done this and this and this and this and this, right? So like problem solving them with like, was this a very good choice or what is one thing we could have done differently in this situation? And then just kind of start talking through it with them so that you're not giving them the answers, right? Super, super simple. But I think the biggest thing is that we as parents, because we don't want to see them in those situations, we do start getting a little defensive and stepping in right away. So we just kind of need to take those deep breaths and take a little step back so that it's a little bit easier to help them through it. I know we usually kind of talk about modifications, but honestly, this is something that all of our kids need. And it's just really changing your language, depending on if you're talking to younger kids or older kids. But I use this with my own kids at home. And I also use it in the classroom with my seventh through 12th graders. So again, it's just changing the language. I have no modifications for you because this is, everyone needs this, even adults. <laughs> mm -hmm. Agreed. And I think one thing too, that I was thinking about um, is, I think sometimes kids have this idea that not necessarily anyone placed on them, but they have this idea that adults don't fail. Adults have it together because mm. what they're yes. seeing is us modeling, doing things that we've done many times before. They're not really seeing us as adults trying things new. And mm -hmm. so they're just, they're seeing that already modeled. They're seeing us mm -hmm. having it together. So one thing I try to do with my students and with my own kids is when I am doing something new or when I'm doing something that um, doesn't come as naturally to me, I don't use negative um, self-talk or anything, but I do have self-talk. I, I do talk out loud about this isn't as easy for me, but I'm going to have to try again. Or um, really trying to model that grit and determination in ways that that they're seeing it authentically. And um, like, I'm not naturally great at cooking and or so commenting when I'm cooking, like, oh, I have to double check the recipe because I don't remember how to do this or whatever. Um, or this recipe didn't turn out very good this time. Next time I'm gonna try doing it this way instead of just saying, I'm never gonna do this recipe again. It turned out horrible. It's what can I do differently next time? And really modeling that by having that outward thought process and modeling those things. Yes, I 100% agree. I think as adults, we try and be too perfect around our kids and we don't want them to see us fail when really it should be the exact opposite. We should be failing in front of them all the time and talking about it out loud. Mm -hmm. I, um, at school, 
well, um, I know as a first year teacher, it, <laughs> that was so hard for me. Like, I'm like, especially as like a female shop teacher, like I'm in a non-traditional field and I have mostly boys all day long. So kind of like I was talking about my girls now, this is why this is so important to me is because I felt this way as a girl, like these, these boys have done this before. They're going to, they're not going to take me seriously. They're they're you know, like all that kind of stuff. So as a more experienced teacher now, I'm like, okay, these children, really have no clue what's going on. They just put like this giant show on for you basically. <laughs> but um, um, I, in welding class, for example, uh, we do arc welding and make welding. And most of you probably have no idea what I'm talking about, but that's okay. So it's just two different types of welding. And there's, uh, they always ask me if they can TIG weld. And I recently got a TIG welder. And instead of telling the kids like, yeah, I'm a pro at this. Like I I've done this a lot. I'm really good at it. Right. Like I straight up tell them you guys I've TIG welded twice in my life and I can show you how to do it, but I am most definitely not very good at it. If you want to learn how to do this better, you can start watching some YouTube videos. I can maybe get somebody in here if you're really serious about it and have them show you. I've brought them to the technical college before to have them show them. Uh, I've had another student in the other day who was showing another student how to do it. So I like just straight up tell them I'm not very good at it. And guess what? I don't have time to learn right now because I am a full-time teacher. I am a mom of two. I am a wife. I am doing, you know, this, this business stuff on the side and they're just like, Oh, okay. You know, like I think we think as adults that the kids are going to look down on us because we aren't perfect everything. And we don't know everything when in actuality, we need to just be having these conversations with our kids so that they know that it's okay as they get older, that it's okay not to be good at everything. So big takeaways, right? If you're still not sold on this idea, I hope you are. (laughs) Here's uh, some reminders of the skills that you're going to help foster if we let our kids fail, right? We're going to foster those skills of grit and determination and communication skills by asking for help when they need it. Uh, We're going to be building up that confidence. We're going to be building up that problem solving skills as they're trying to solve all these problems that they're failing at. And again, um, because I'm a shop teacher, I talk to a lot of employers and what they tell me is these are the skills that our kids are missing. They don't care if they come into the workforce, not knowing how to weld, if they're a welding shop and the kids don't know how to weld, they don't care. What they care about is that the kids can figure it out. Um, if they give, you know, they give them the training or whatever, they come across the problem. They want them to be able to figure it out. They want them to be able to communicate. They want them to be able to have that grit and determination to get through it. They don't care if they don't know how to weld. They need these soft skills because you can't teach adults these soft skills in a job. You can't, you don't have time for that kind of stuff. You can teach them the job specific skills because every single job that you go around to is going to be different, but everybody needs these soft skills. So we, as teachers and parents, we need to be teaching them and building these muscles up for them now, because this is not something that it's going to be so much harder for them 
so much harder for them later on in life. If we don't do this for them now, we got to get them ready for the world. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening. We appreciate and love you guys so much. Uh, please, if you loved this episode, we would love for you to go share on social media, tag us at the teacher mama's podcast, go write a review. Uh, if you want to get on our mailing list, we're going to have that link out possibly with these show notes, or if not, then, uh, soon after, but we've been doing just some like self-care for teachers, for moms, for kids in our newsletters. So we give you new ideas each week to try and it is, it's going to be so great. So (laughs) we've, we've already started, uh, we've, Roberta's been, uh, Roberta's been writing the emails and I've been creating them. So it's been great already. And if you want to get on our mailing list and get some free, awesome ideas, uh, watch out for that link. Yeah, we are so grateful for you and for listening. And we will talk to you again next week. We want to thank you guys so much for taking the time out of your day to listen to us chat about healthy family living. We would love to hear your thoughts or any ideas you have for future episodes. So feel free to message us at the teacher mama's podcast at gmail.com or the teacher mama's podcast on Instagram. It would also mean so much to us if you would leave a quick rating or review on whatever platform you're listening from. If something really stood out to you today, Don't forget to share it with someone else in your life that might need to hear it too. Spread the word. Please don't forget to share with your online community and tag us. For more positivity and inspiration on how we navigate life and the things we do on a daily basis to stay sane in the crazy, don't forget to go follow each of us on Instagram. Check the show notes for our handles.